a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, when it comes to red ink, it does seem to be the one thing that is not being uh, hit by inflation <laughs> or by some supply chain snafu. There's a lot of red ink coming out of our national government. Uh, and here to help us break it all down, Andrew Louts is the Director of Federal Policy at the National Taxpayers Union Foundation. Always provides us great insight on uh, all of this. The CBO just released uh, its outlook. Andrew, thanks for joining us. What is the CBO uh, telling us, and for our listeners, maybe give them a little bit of that reminder of what CBO's job is, and then we'll get into breaking down what does it actually mean to the rest of us. For sure. And thanks so much for having me on, Boyd. So a little background for your readers on CBO. CBO is the Congressional Budget Office. They contain a team of economic experts hired by Congress to predict trends in federal government spending, in taxes and debt, U.S. economic activity, uh, along with the impacts that proposed bills in Congress would would have on the budget in their sort of expert predictions. Now, CBO is not a perfect institution, and their predictions certainly aren't always correct, but we like them a lot because they don't work for either political party and they have no ideological acts to grind. They're just, they're the experts. All right. And so uh, as, as we look at that, I always say the CBO makes uh, Congress kind of show their math <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and make sure the math is, is somewhere, at least somewhere in the ballpark of reality uh, before things start rolling. And so uh, so you have noted uh, that there is a lot of red ink. Again, uh, the red ink has made it through the supply chain pretty well. But what is it uh, that we're seeing uh, that, that has that kind of forecast? For sure. So at least once a year, if not more often than once a year, CBO is is charged with Congress to update what's called their baseline. Their baseline is just, you know, their prediction for what the next 10 years of, again, federal government spending, taxes, debt, deficits, and how the U.S. economy is going to perform. They predict more than 10 years out on sort of a 10,000 foot level. But, you know, it's hard, of course, it's hard to predict just 10 years out, much less than 30 years out. So so what we're looking at and what we're talking about today is the next 10 years, what CBO thinks that's going to look like for the federal government, for the U.S. economy. And what they've said is that uh, U.S. debt is going to keep skyrocketing at a, at a really uncomfortable rate. And, uh, you know, it's, it's as a percent of the size of the nation's economy, uh, so the nation's gross domestic product, uh, debt is actually going to fall slightly over the next few years. So that's a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of good news for, for people who are concerned about the, the size of the federal debt. But unfortunately, uh, after a couple of years of, of CBO predicting it'll decline, it's, it's projected to shoot right back up. Federal debt held by the public 10 years, in, according to CBO's predictions, is going to surpass the $40 trillion mark. And as a size of the nation's economy, it's going to exceed 100% of the size of the nation's economy uh, in about 10 years, in, in the next five to 10 years. And then by 2050, it's going to be about 180% of the size of the nation's economy. So almost twice uh, the size of our annual economic output. Wow. And let's dig into that just a little bit. I think it's important for listeners to to understand what that means and historically what that has meant for other nations when suddenly your your debt is greater 
than than your GDP uh, breakdown. What does that look like? What have we seen in the past? What is it that uh, we should be watching for in, in that space? So, you know, there's a couple of, of, you know, sort of major economic consequences for debt rising to unsustainable levels. And, and you know, it's important to look at the, the dollar figure, right? And that's, you know, we, we talk about the dollar figure, again, debt held by the public approaching $40 trillion in about 10 years time. But, you know, what, why we talk about debt as a percent of the size of the nation's economy is because it's been used historically and, and in the current, you know, in the current era as, as a a sort of proxy measure for, you know, what are sustainable versus unsustainable levels of, of debt load for a country. And, you know, when you start to have debt that exceeds the size of the annual economy for a nation and where we're, you know, we were uh, past that point in the most recent year in the United States and will dip a little bit, but then once again exceed 100 percent of the size of the nation's economy. CBO actually, their sort of, you know, expert uh, work on this, they, they, they have pointed out that a few things happen. Uh, the the rising debt crowds out private investment in the economy. So, um, you know, when you have government borrowing increases, that increases interest rates. Uh, it incentivizes people to to save money instead of actually investing it in, for example, publicly traded companies. More saving means less investment in, in what we call productive capital. That's things that, um, you know, make the economy grow, that make workers in the U.S. economy more productive. Uh, it also, more debt means rising interest costs. It means that the net interest that the U.S. is paying on its federal debt is eating up a larger and larger share of the tax revenues we're bringing in. And to bring it back to the baseline for a second, that's a that's a big problem uh, that, that we're facing in the next 10 years is that you have revenue as a, as a percentage of GDP staying about steady over the next 10 years at about 18 percent of GDP, whereas spending continues to increase, you know, year after year after year. So, so you have this rising gap between what the federal government is projected to spend and what it's bringing in in tax revenues. That means more deficits in debt and more debt means that we're actually uh, paying more on the interest on that debt. And, and there's actually, uh, you know, not to jump around too much, but there's two things at play there. One is, you know, that that eats up a larger and larger share of the federal budget. But the second is that with the Fed, Federal Reserve raising interest rates, that's also going to increase uh, the cost of servicing our debt. So so the, the consequences of rising debt just kind of um, they, they compound when when you have rising interest rates, when you have um, when, when you have uh, rising federal debt, rising federal spending. It's it's uh, it's a snowball. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a brutal thing to, to watch that play out. And even if even if the interest rates just go up to historic averages, I mean, that just changes the game in terms of how much we would spend just on the interest payments. And anyone who's ever had a large balance on their credit card know that as that interest rate goes up, then suddenly all you're doing is paying interest. You're not doing anything to, to reduce the debt uh, in any way. One of the things that you've pointed out, Andrew, that I wanted to ask you about today uh, is is how we're keeping score um, there's obviously a lot of things that Congress has figured out over the years, some gimmicks and loopholes and, and things like that to get around some of the, the CBO scores. Uh, and you talk about some, some scorekeeping reforms. What do we need to be looking at there and why? Sure. And, and I should actually point out that, that my colleague, uh, Damian Brady at NCU Foundation, leads a lot of our work on this. We literally have a taxpayer's budget office. Uh, you can check out more information at NTU.org. But, you know, some of the reforms that Damian and I and NTU Foundation have, have suggested to Congress 
is uh, accounting more for uh, debt service costs. So again, we're talking about like the actual interest cost that the nation incurs for having its debt. We think that the Congressional Budget Office, when Congress is considering new legislation, for example, you know, the, the House and the Senate were considering this major multi-trillion dollar build back better legislation, um, uh, you know, uh, for parts of last year and, and early parts of this year. You know, we, we think that for, for big legislation like that, CBO should be telling Congress not only what the spending and, and tax impacts of that legislation legislation will be. But if the legislation adds to the debt and in the first couple of years of Build Back Better, for example, it would have added to the debt, uh, CBO should also be accounting for uh, or telling Congress, okay, and here are going to be the increased interest costs because you're adding debt to the nation's debt load. Another example is is, is what, uh, what we would call alternative fiscal scenarios. So CBO kind of takes the law Literally, that's that's part of their mandate. So, for example, you know, when uh, some popular tax credit or tax cut or spending program is scheduled to expire at a certain date, CBO in their uh, in constructing their baseline, they assume that program is actually going to expire. Now, now anyone who follows Congress knows that when it comes to a popular spending program or a popular tax cut, well, those programs rarely expire. Uh, often they're extended, uh, sometimes a year at a time, sometimes on a permanent basis. And we think that, you know, CBO should be accounting for some of those alternative scenarios where, you know, more realistically, uh, Congress is going to extend spending programs. They're going to extend tax cuts. And unfortunately, in the current environment, what, what that means is that we're going to increase debt and deficits even further than CBO projects. Uh, great insight as always. Andrew Louts is the director of federal policy at the National Taxpayers Union Foundation. And uh, Andrew, thank you so much for your insight. This is a crucial one. There is a lot of red ink. I even brought my red pen today uh, because it is everywhere in these numbers. And it's a conversation we have to have. We have to force lawmakers to have. And it's the only way we uh, make sure that this national security threat uh, doesn't become the major national security threat. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Boyd, and you're going to need to keep that red pen on you. Sadly, we are going to have to keep that red pen uh, handy because we continue to spend at a very reckless pace, and it's our children and grandchildren who will get stuck with the bill. Coming up from the East Coast to the West Coast, politicians are using their power to cudgel businesses for their stances on the issues of the day. Is that right? Is that wrong? How do we get to better? Stay with us. We'll talk about it coming up next on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.